So yeah, it was freezing cold in Montreal this weekend. It was in Fahrenheit. It felt like um, I think it was like five degrees or something last night. Sean, we're all we're American here. You can use Fahrenheit. That's, well, yeah. so here's the thing. I was at, as I brought up an American friend. We were at like a bar on the Friday night, and he told the waitress like it's supposed to be like in the 60s tomorrow, I guess, here back in Massachusetts, which I don't know if that's true or not. And she wasn't very like certain Montrealers are like very into American stuff, and then certain ones aren't. And she is clearly what, wasn't. Is that what Montrealers? Is that what? Yeah, you'd say Montrealers are Quebecers. Yeah, a lot. Okay. Um. And she clearly wasn't. She her face. She had no clue. Like she thought sixty sixty five is like what like one forty degrees yeah, it's Celsius. Abs- absurdly yeah, it's extremely hot. hot. <laughs> yeah, so our sixty five degrees Celsius is like one hundred forty Fahrenheit. So she was a little blown away. So I had to like bring us back to like the metro, okay. the metro system, the metric system. Yeah. And I well, how- luckily I could do my conversions like really well. Well, yeah, really I, well. We've been a, we haven't really traveled internationally much, but when we have, we've been there for a bit and i've kind of got when i'm in a country that doesn't use the why can't i even remember the english uh imperial the imperial Imperial. yeah um like i i get used to it but then when i come back it's just like everything is you know in my head but uh how cold was it i mean it's not that cold i mean i said it felt well so the real temperatures were like in the 20s or or in the teens okay but it was like super windy and i don't think some people know that like montreal is literally an island so you're on an island in the middle of the St. Lawrence. And oh, we're doing our geography just, already. I need to look at this. It's now. super <laughs> it's super like it's like a very moist air. And okay. so it just like it hits you with like this cold, wet air. Just if you're walking into the wind too, it's like almost unbearable. But it's yeah. kind of refreshing. I don't know if you saw that story or if you've seen it, it's like been out for like a while now. Of like Sidney Crosby going to play in Winnipeg and he just wanted to walk in like negative 20 degree Celsius, um, like Winnipeg windy yeah. weather. Yeah. I, I don't remember that story, but I very much being, uh, not born, but raised definitely in Minnesota. I love winter. Winter is easily the best season in my opinion. And I love walking when it's very cold out. Like every year I try, we try, I try to spend, if it's, I think last year, we had a stretch here in February or maybe late January where um, I think it didn't get above zero Fahrenheit for like three weeks or something. I mean, two weeks. And it was like we had a couple days that was like got down to negative 25, I think. And whenever I see it get that cold, it's like I have to stop what I'm doing and go outside and just like go out in the cold yeah. because I love it. I love it. I, love it. <laughs> I know it's not we're not like Winnipeg gets and yeah, much colder. Win- Winnipeg here is colder. In northern Minnesota is very similar. It gets really, really cold up there. Yeah. But like. Even still, you know, that's the conversions to Celsius, negative 25 Fahrenheit, negative 31, negative 31 and a half, basically Celsius, and, and zero Fahrenheit is negative 17-ish okay. Celsius. So just to, for the conversions. But, yeah, I didn't know that about Montreal, that it's an island. That's yeah. Kinda... Well, so we've been to Ottawa. That That's yeah. the only real town, I would say. We, we did kind of go through Toronto when we flew through on the way back. But we were in Ottawa for the conference in 2019, fall or early winter 2019. And, uh, I mean, with these conferences, you don't really get to explore the city. But I did enjoy uh, our time there. It was very cold in Ottawa when we were there as well. Um, so, um, yeah, but you, you just take weekend trips or something up to Montreal, go see your favorite team, the Canadians? Or, uh... Well, yeah, I mean, the Canadians <laughs> were in Nashville last night. But um, it was actually funny. There was, like, a... Uh, I've never seen something 
so we walked by like the bell center on friday night and there's just like this random group gathering like outside the bell center i'm assuming they were celebrating the uh the new change in the front office but uh, i could be mistaken it was just like a random fiesta going on like 16 people just bumping some music and dancing just completely random yeah well i don't know maybe uh we have a friend up in montreal that we haven't seen in a while maybe we should uh went to college with shout out draft is up there this year Shout out to Henry. Shout out to Henri. I, I highly um, doubt that he he. I, I yeah, I can't imagine he would ever listen to us. But if he does, Henry, you're listening. We yeah. uh, you know, it's been a while. Know, the one person we know in Montreal. Um, anyway, well, Sean, I'm glad that you had a yeah, fun time and you got back fun. safe. You're back in uh, you know, the comfort of your own home, and uh, you in, know, we're ready in to your talk. Shrine of Bruins. Yeah. We're ready to talk about the Islanders <laughs> losing ten, the Canucks being terrible, and getting a new coach. Uh, and what else is? I feel like most of the news is about teams that aren't good ottawa the news is very yeah. negative right there's now. been yeah. a lot of jersey throwing stage. yeah there was jersey throwing the canucks had a you know that's the trifecta didn't the leafs threw a jersey the canadians threw a jersey oh, those, somebody in the, why would a leafs fan throw a jersey back when the it was like the first two weeks or whatever they were like not doing well there was like this you know that whole early season panic from leafs fans right i mean i don't remember what the record was but that was why i tweeted out like the essentially energy of when Leafs are losing and when they're winning is oh, very yeah. similar yeah. on Twitter. That's what I it feels like whenever uh and that's I think really because there's a lot of people who really love watching the Leafs lose. And so that energy is kind of the inverse or whatever. But yeah, there's a lot of uh negative Yeah, we had a Ottawa, we had a Senators jersey thrown, right? Oh, I don't know. I thought it was the Canadians Leafs and now the Canucks. Did oh, the Canadians. Senators sorry. The did Canadians. the Senators throw a jersey earlier? No, I don't think so. It was Canadians and then the Canucks. Last okay. night. Canucks did. They yeah. lost four one to Pittsburgh, I think. And, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And then th- now we just learned, literally right before we got we started recording, that they've. Uh, I believe it's official. They if they hired uh, Bruce Boudreau uh, to be their next yeah, the coach, or they or the Canucks did. And it was it was leaked by Elliot Friedman prior to the announcement that <laughs> Green had been fired. <laughs> so, not really sure what happened there, Canucks front office. But was That's that a- the most Canucks thing? Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. Yeah. So. So Boudreaux and we, uh, as Wild fans, you know, uh, while Boudreaux, probably my biggest period of Wild fandom was while Boudreaux was the yeah. Wild coach. And uh, he, my my act, I would say my actual like hardcore hockey fandom was really at the end of, of Mike Yo's tenure when I like was kind of blinded by my fandom, you know, six seven years ago. That's when, but then started to get into stuff because Boudreaux basically he kind of was hired the year that we really started doing a lot of hockey work, I think. Yeah. Um, was so prior to the sixteen six, seventeen. Yeah. So he was with the Wild for the um, for four well, three and a half seasons. He was fired in uh the nineteen twenty season. Or was it eighteen nineteen? Yeah, I think the infamous nineteen twenty season. Yeah, yeah. the twenty nineteen <laughs> every time Sean is gonna laugh. Yeah. Yeah, he was fired We're in taking the, it away back again. Boudreaux was fired by by the wild in 2019-2020 in that season, which actually seemed I felt like he was fired longer ago than that. because um, that was the shortened COVID season. Um so he, he coached for fifty eight games that season and so we watched a lot of uh Boudreaux and also I mean Back when he was with the Ducks, I remember that was that was kind of when the Ducks were that you know part of the trifecta of the California teams in the mid 2010s. That was like every team had to go and you'd play the Kings, Sharks, and Ducks when they were all really really good. Yeah, that and and, and Boudreaux had the had like peak Corey Perry, Ryan Getzloff, and uh, who was the other forward on that line that used to just dominate everyone? I can't remember. Yeah, 
But anyway, that was like those those Ducks teams uh, uh, were really really good. And I mean, Boudreaux is um, he 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 seemed like a very good coach, but he was maybe a little stubborn. That's what I remember. Yeah, I, he kind I, of like. Yeah. Well, mostly I was constantly irritated that he wouldn't play Nino Niederreiter in a top six or top <laughs> yeah. line role. That was like most of the time was yeah. like they kept putting Nino on the third line when he was like had some of the best underlying metrics on the wild and they wouldn't yeah. like i don't know it was just kind of weird basically during nino's prime he's yeah. he's kind of fallen out cuz he's gotten a little older and he's still a very solid forward but that was back when he was really and then that 16 17 wild team his first year was they just kind of had all the, the right pieces going until then they met Jake Allen in the first yeah. round. Uh, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think coaching analysis is kind of an interesting thing, or at least, like, I don't know, Sean, have you ever have you done any work on, like, kind of evaluating coaches from, like, a statistical or analytical approach or methods with hockey graphs at all in the, in the day? I don't know if you ever were no. involved with any of that stuff. No, I've never done any of, uh, any of that. I think it's just it's quite difficult. I know Micah tries to do it. I think it's just an extremely difficult piece of – the pie here yeah. in terms of evaluating because I mean, I think we would all also sit back here and say that the biggest problem with the Canucks was not the coaching. It was yeah. the roster construction. Yeah. Right. Yep. And that's, you're not satisfying anybody by <laughs> firing Travis green. Now it was Travis green probably still part of the problem. I mean, I guess um, I wouldn't say that the Canucks were ever like structurally sound under his tenure, but I mean, it's just the roster construction that's just been awful, and Benning's been in office for the last eight years now. Yeah, and so I don't think this is I, we have. I've not quite digested what's sort of gone on on Twitter um, at the moment, but I would assume this is just not satisfactory. Although I will also say, like Travis Green, towards the end of the tenure, I don't know what he was doing if he was trying to get fired or what i think he probably was like just has not been pe- playing uh elias Patterson like at all yeah i went and saw him play in boston he paid like he played like seven minutes 55 seconds like he played the least amount of minutes yeah. on the canucks like that's a coach that's trying to get fired or they're trying to lose yeah i don't know well Patterson's a really interesting case because he's just having like a really down year i mean it's like well, I'm just looking at on EvolvingHockey.com under our, our GAR uh, charts, the team charts. Uh, the Canucks, um, they don't have a lot of players who are doing very well <laughs> this year. Uh, they mostly, they're their leaders right now in GAR are Connor Garland, Quinn Hughes, and Tanner Pearson. Um, and then JT Miller, Luke Shen, and Elias Pettersson are kind of the next, but it's still, like, not anything impressive and, like, I don't know. It's really weird with Pedersen. Like, he's just had a really strange career so far because his first, like, several seasons, he was just projecting to be, like, an absolute superstar. And then he got injured, right? He got – because he – Yeah. He, yeah. And, and he's kind of had diff- a difficult time kind of getting back to those first two seasons. Like, last year, he only played 26 games. And, you know, he was injured. And this year he's, you know, he's played 25 now and he did, he's done, he's basically almost a replacement level player through 25 games per our GAR and XGAR models. He's just a little bit above replacement level. And that's just, if, you know, you know, that's just really unfortunate for the Canucks because that was kind of your top line center, right? Like it was. (laughs) And was. Well, it is. Right. Well, and the other thing too, I was just looking, Sean, you're right. Like I was looking at his game logs or just looking at, kind of his time and 
like in the beginning of the season, he was um, like he was playing like over 20 minutes a game on average, somewhere around there. Pedersen was, and then the last like I don't know 10 games, he's dropped. Like there were there was a stretch where he only played like 13 minutes a game, like all situations for like four games or something. And he's back up. The last game was 19, but I don't know. I think the Canucks are like what you said, Sean. Is it's like. Like you kind of just need a full reset, like of everything, like the entirety of the, you know, the front, the front, <laughs> or you know, the organization, right? I mean, like it just seems like get, getting a coach, like even if Boudreaux, you know, like we could talk about how you evaluate coaches. I think there's some issues there, but regardless of what you think of of Boudreaux, um, like he, he still has to work with the same roster that was constructed the way it was, and they're still kind of deadlocked with like their current situation and I don't know may, I this happens you do see this where teams kind of have a little bit of a rebound after they have a new coach maybe there was some stuff there I think it's very difficult with coaches to know exactly what's going on behind the scenes because you, you can't like that's not anything that we would ever know publicly so I don't know who knows maybe Patterson does get a bounce back here or there's some kind of um you know I I, I think at least looking at some of their underlying uh, metrics, I, they definitely. I think there's some bad luck going on. Um, in a in a way, I mean, they're not scoring, even though they're like they they're they're just like their scoring is so terrible. Now, another thing is their PK is awful this year, and like they're they've been terrible shorthanded. And I don't, I don't know, I don't remember Boudreaux being necessarily a, a a penalty kill specialist kind of coach. So I don't know, maybe that has to do with behind the scenes, but. I don't know. At the very least, I think Boudreaux is very entertaining. And whenever he's in the league, I think it's always fun um, just to see. Yeah. And it'll well, be his fun. Interviews, his interviews are always really fun. Yeah. Like, I think he's one of the more vocal, like, he, he's just a really funny kind of, he gives yeah. really funny interviews. He, he just says whatever. I think he's fairly genuine in any of his interviews because he's been around for so long. And I remember, I mean, he was one of the first people who publicly kind of brought Jared Spurgeon into, like, the limelight. And it, it was really Boudreaux who, who kind of convinced a lot of the standard media people that Spurgeon was kind of that kind of defenseman. That was So that's kind of what he does I think I can respect it but it'll be interesting to see uh you know it, with the Canucks I, I it'll be funny in a bigger market than he's been with him in Anaheim and Minnesota I think necessarily although Minnesota's kind of a bigger market whether uh you know in Minnesota kind of, they are uh, what <laughs> in in this region they are but it yeah. seems like it's kind of well a, I but sometimes, anyway well, but yeah I'm, I mean I yeah. mean the thing about the Canucks <laughs> though is like I mean they're they're kind of you know they're kind of locked in on some of these contracts. Like I mean, they have Tyler Myers for three more years at six million, which was just oh, an God. absolutely terrible I, signing. How and did then, that? Like they just they sign OEL for like I don't even know how much for six, seven point three million for. Well, like, they traded for him. Well, right? they didn't sign him. Yeah. They yeah. Oh, they traded for him. That's how they got Garland. Oh, it yeah. says I'm on cap friendly, and I should have seen the trade. Yeah. It's under the acquired. Yeah, they didn't sign that. They but didn't they're... sign him. But I mean, you know, that's just kind of. I don't know. OEL really, he's taken a dive in his production over the last several seasons. And that's just kind of like not really sure why you want to take on that contract for, you know, I mean, let me just look up, let me look up some of his. Uh, well, uh, I think, statistics. I think others have, I think this is almost like a Seth Jones type of situation here where yeah. I think the perception of him around the league and in like the mainstream media is quite different. Right, because at one point, I would argue he was like the best defenseman in the league, possibly back in like what was it, oh, like yeah. fifteen, sixteen. Oh, oh yeah, was really good. Yeah, he was a monster. Season. Yeah, and then yeah, he. I mean, I think he had battled through injuries and the whole nine yards. I mean, I I think it was just, and yeah, unfortunately, just quit the fall off. But I mean, and, even still, like yeah. he's he's thirty years old, and he has, uh, his cap hit is eight point two five. 
until 2026, 20, 27. So it's like he has this year plus five more years after this. So it's like you're you're trading for a 30-year-old defenseman that you're paying. I mean, they're not paying. I think that, that Arizona retains some salary there because the cap hit is only like 7.2. But, I mean, that's still a huge contract to take on for an aging defenseman, especially someone who's shown a decline in the past couple of years. And it's just, you know, I mean, I see all these fire bending. You know, everybody's trying to get – and it's like – I don't. I don't really know like what another GM's going to do because he's kind of like locked in some of these players at really high. You know, they have OEL and 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 Tyler Myers at like almost what thirteen million, fourteen million, and those are two like not. I mean, you know, they're just not worth that, <laughs> in my opinion. Like, but anyway, I anyway, mean, I, I, hopefully, yeah. hopefully, Boudreaux will be. Uh, yeah, uh, add some add some cheer yeah, to the Canucks fan base. I, I suppose I think one of the things that we've always Luke and I have talked about a little bit is like with with teams. If you want to tank, I think one of the big things with a tanking team, number one, get a terrible goalie. Number two, <laughs> have just awful defensemen. So like you know, and that works. There you yeah. go. That's how you that's how you tank. And I I, I will say Vancouver Demko is good. Um, he's kind of struggling a little. Well, not no, he's he's been good this year. Um, but with that team, yeah, I don't know. We're, we, we, I don't want to, I feel like we're now we're at the point of over talking about the Canucks. Yeah. Let's we don't need to talk about, about the Canucks, Canucks anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Unless Sean, you had something else to add. No, I, I, I guess I don't really have too much <laughs> else to add. I mean, I will add that Boudreaux's biggest challenge here though, is really going to be managing kind of, I guess you could say like the mood and the culture. Yeah, oh, yeah. more than anything more than the on ice stuff and so if they feel like he's fit for the job and that i think that's the biggest challenge over these next two years honestly is just getting everybody in the room kind of through this stage and making it a good environment for young players hopefully to yeah. to come up into it well and one of the things i think with a coach like this is like he has all of this you know like he can't possibly be worse than what they had i mean it's just like it's a great so I don't know. He's got a lot of slack. I think that just is like he's coming in. I, yeah, I don't know. It, it's it, it's going to be a lot more about working, like you said, Sean, with the environment and getting kind of the team because it's also like they clearly are morale is low. I'll say it seems like in Vancouver. <laughs> what is their what is their current? Re- <laughs> They're not good. Yeah, they've they've had a, they've had a tough time. But uh, uh, Vancouver is currently. Let me just look at this really quick. They're. Um, they're fourth. Uh, they're the fourth worst team in terms of points percentage. They are currently eight fifteen and two, uh, and with eighteen yeah. points. And I believe they're they have to be last in the Pacific. No, yes, yep. I, yeah. By and we have them by a decent amount. We have them projected at a two point one percent playoff probability. Yeah, I, I which think I they're, think started around twenty percent. Yeah, I think at they the were, start of the year. I mean, I think. yeah. In, to be honest, like we didn't we weren't high on Vancouver going no. into the season. So it's not like this is I I wasn't surprised. by by this i think i'm surprised by petterson um his yeah. performance i think quinn hughes has also been a little bit maybe He's lower doing better this year but yeah. not like kind of yeah. close to the performance you'd expect from a 7.5 million dollar defenseman for yeah. you know, a younger player like that but yeah i don't know it'll be interesting to see what boudreau does um and how how they kind of respond um but yeah i don't know kind of going back to the coaching analysis it's kind of really it's a really funny um thing i don't know if we can kind of talk about that because like you know, it, it is something I think that when Dawson Spriggins, when his war model was public back in the 16-17 season, I want to say that he included a coaching or a coach indicator or coach variable. Um, yeah, yeah, I could be did. wrong about no, that, I, but it's it's a really weird. Um, 
it's it's a really kind of weird variable to include in something like our APM or, or like our Rappa model, for instance. Um, it, it just in single seasons, it doesn't really work because the coaches never change teams. So that it adds like from a modeling perspective, it it's what we call multicollinearity, where all of the players who are on the ice are on the ice, and the coach is the same for every single shift that they're on the ice which causes a lot of problems when modeling something like that. So if you were going to add, at least in my, if I had to guess on this, we've never tried including a coach indicator to get coaching impacts on like the, from like a, a wrap em output. What a wrap em output gives us for skater ratings is um, it, it would just be the same way if we added a coaching indicator, but the, you know, it would be best if the coaches switch teams every game, that would be the best. <laughs> if coaches so, switch teams every game, we could throw them into a wrap model. And, and no could, problem. Yeah, you could actually get a gauge on who is good and who is bad yeah. from a coaching standpoint. And so then, like, you know, when the coach goes from, I don't know, from one team to the next, and, and you could you would get a lot, a much better indication of. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't do that. So if you were, sorry, Sean, you were going to say something. You could. I think well, that's a great idea. Like, I think this is one of, like, your few ideas that you throw out there that's kind of crazy. Yeah. That's, like, a good idea, and I just want to point that out. Yeah. Like, Thank you, Sean. Because the, the W Series started that in racing, which is, like, a um, it's a formula series for women. It was, like, the first women's racing oh, okay, yeah. series. And um, that was, like, one of their ideas. In, in auto racing, a lot of times you'll have what's called a spec series, which means that, like, all the chassis are the same to try to make, like, the cars, like, essentially the same yeah okay yeah and um they called this like a true spec because what they would do is they would change the teams every single race a, a, a driver would have a new team at like every single race oh that's so the people that are changing the tires or that are doing the strategy or whatever would um would change along with that and i think it's like a good idea to either do like the no coach or like do a rotation of coaches oh yeah at the nhl level I mean, that would be, be awesome. Pure players league. Yeah, because then we could get like we could get ratings on. I mean, we would just have so much more like ability to see coaching impacts. Yeah. Because like it's really hard right now. Because so the problem is that like for instance, this is something that we've just to kind of elaborate on why this is so difficult is uh, maybe some people who were following this kind of back in the day. It, it's some. It's a problem when two players play together for a significant amount of time, and so people. This hasn't really been brought up in a while, but when the Sedines were in the league, we yeah, it it's, just it's, causes. It's been, it's been referred to as the Sedine problem. The Sedine problem. It yeah. it causes some havoc in a in a linear or in a regression model like this because just the in, the nature of a linear regression, and we use a ridge regression, which is just an additional step that you used for linear regression. Anyway. When in linear regression, if you have two variables that are highly correlated, um, it will cause issues where the the model. I mean, <laughs> I, I will admit I am not as well versed in the actual math mathematics behind how this works. Shh, but don't tell anyone that. <laughs> don't tell anyone that. But no, so it's for, instance, I think it's so more that you're trying to keep it kind of a, a higher yeah, level here, right? Yeah. Like, but the Sedines, for instance, in RAPM or RAPM or, or or shift level, stint level regression like this, when they play like 95% of their minutes and, and shifts together, it it basically what happens is when it spits out, when you get the coefficients for those players, they'll have wildly divergent ratings because it's trying to look at the amount of, or it, it, it's weighting the 5% of time they didn't play together extremely heavily. 
against the 95% when they were together. So it's going to magnify the time when they were not in the same shift together, which then creates very wild um, ratings. When in reality, you would expect them to have very, very similar ratings because they're on the ice together and they're also identical twins. But <laughs> so they have very, sim- you know, Josh and I would know, you know, we would know <laughs> if we were in the NHL, we would have very, we would have but, very similar. And, and to, I, I think I believe the, the Sedins when they did play, played about 90, somewhere between 90 and 95 percent of their time together in pretty much every situation, yeah. which is the issue. Like Luke, Luke said, is that you just be, you can't when you're looking at, for instance, just player pairs. I mean, you can look at this in various different groups or whatever, but if you have two people playing all the time together, you can't. And they only play together. You, there's no way to really say which one of them is doing the things that are occurring there, right? Yeah. That's what we. So that's why we want like players when we are evaluating here. It's very good when players play with a lot of different teammates and also against a lot of different teams in a lot of different scenarios because we then get a better way. We get more data that we can essentially say, okay, well, this player alone was able to do this versus this other player they play with. So we can kind of make these decisions or we can, the, the model is able to kind of differentiate the where, who is doing what. And this is kind of the idea of, you know, I, I think Micah calls it, I, you know, his player isolates or isolation. I think it's kind of hard to actually say that, um, where it's the model is really isolating like purely, but it's doing a very good job when it can. But I mean, there's some other players who do this too. Like um, I think a year or two ago, it was like Tavares and Marner played a ton of time together. Yeah, I think they were like in the 85 to yeah. 80, 90 percent of their time. I in think the 18, strength. 19 season. Yeah, yeah, um, I, yeah. And that's going to. Um, and so the reason I'm explaining this is that if you add a coaching variable, that it, it would be the same thing as two players playing together for a lot of their time. So if you have a coaching variable in a single season Rapham regression, it, it introduces a lot of multicollinearity into the player ratings or in the coaching coaches rating because there is only one coach that a player will play with all or that uh, that will coach a team all year. So really what you'd need to do is you would need to do a multi-year RAPM, which we've done in the past, but it it's just kind of pretty um, computationally intensive to do that to get like – like definitive coaching ratings and even still you still have a lot of multicollinearity there because of how often coaches I mean coaches do change a lot but there's you know coaches will stay on the same team for three four five six years you yeah. know and so that still is something that's pretty difficult to do from a um, regression model so let's add it to like the this. list of things where we um, every coach changes the their yes. team. Every every yeah. it's oh, a rotation. Would it. it would be we, great. Yeah, we have That'd 30. Be, that would make the NHL so much fun because yeah. it's like, oh, who's the coach tonight? <laughs> <laughs> it's you better know? than the the three v three triangle. V three three v three. No, no, no. That's a jump great puck? idea. Jump jump puck's dumb. Jump, <laughs> jump puck's puck. dumb. Jump jump puck's, puck's dumb. dumb. I just like the name. Of I would just jump like puck. one game where they have jump puck. I, I know. just think it'd be fun to watch what happens. Uh, the three v three v or the 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 three way rank is the best idea that we have because i would how love about, here's sponsor. another idea for face <laughs> oh, no. how about instead of <laughs> instead of having a ref or the ref drop the puck there's like a a, a a ceiling fake ceiling where after any type of event the puck will randomly fall from anywhere <laughs> above the ice and then all the players have to go scramble to get to get it how about <laughs> it's I mean, it would be terrible for the sport it would be hilarious to see it it would mean, be yeah, really they should funny. try out some of these ideas i know i know NHL, just goal, hey, you know hey, at nhl we got lots of great ideas yeah. if you want to try out the all-star it, game yeah it would be fun i <laughs> I think seriously though it'd be really interesting with coaches because you always yeah. hear about um like that 
like coaches developing their system or developing like essentially this like kind of um, the relationships with their players and how they play and they're like and it would be really interesting to see how various coaches would or how just in general what performance you would get well, from also, teams. Also it also would thing, help it also I think would help get a better idea of teams. Well, no, I don't anyway, sorry. Well, go what ahead. I was going to say though is that it would change up how coaches would have to coach because they wouldn't be able to like drill in a type of system to their players in practice, right? They wouldn't have any time to prepare. So they would basically all be about like line calls, like, you know, yeah. calls for changes in line matching in game because they're like but I mean, I don't know. It's 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 kind of a mystery to me how like they it even strength for instance how i mean and this is like i'll admit i'm not a systems person at all like we are not systems oh people. we're not <laughs> no <laughs> oh yeah is that a surprise but i don't know I'm we've never really talked about systems and systems analysis but that's not what we do like i will do it's the same thing with prospects no idea yeah we no have sean, idea we have sean here because he's yeah. a systems guy yeah you know <laughs> he looks at the structure and stuff and then tells us what we you know yeah. what we don't know but yeah um anyway yeah <laughs> Just throwing it out there, NHL. If you ever want to, you know, spend a week and have the coaches rotate, uh, I think it'd be kind of a fun. Yeah, uh, it'd be a fun experiment. Fun experiment, but um, yeah. Uh, where are we at? Our, <laughs> we should I think take a break. I, probably... think, I think we're basically at time. Our sponsors yeah, actually just texted me. They, they want <laughs> <laughs> they want us to go to a break, reminding us to, well, to have our break. Our, our so. last two episodes, the sponsor hasn't been involved with because they were the short one, and then we did our glossary. We missed series. out Which, on we missed we out on ten thousand dollars in in ad revenue. <laughs> From me, I, I sent I sent Luke a ten dollar bill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. Also, I should shout this out. Although maybe we should have just started with the podcast. Is we did have a uh we started our glossary or whatever you want to call it series. I actually think I did come up with the name. What was the name I came up with, Luke? It was like uh, for what that like our hockey stats glossary series. I think is what I oh is it like a primer series. Yeah. Or something? Isn't that I, on our homepage? Yeah. Did you not? I might have. Not. You didn't. You didn't write an article. <laughs> Quiet. You gotta Quiet. do. You gotta remember to do that. Why is it always on me? Luke, you never do that because you edit it. Yeah, I know. I do so much for this website. No, anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm just saying, I'm plugging our. uh, We we started part one of our um, kind of, I think I called it the Hockey Glossary series. That went out midweek. It's a shorter episode, um, but we kind of went over general terms, did some definitions, talked about history and usage. So check that out. We're going to take a break. I'm doing Sean's job here, and I'm uh, shout out to our sponsors. Give them a listen right now, and we'll be back uh, to talk about some more very interesting things after the break. The Evolving Hockey Podcast is brought to you by EvolvingHockey.com, your home for advanced NHL statistics on the web. When you become a subscriber to EvolvingHockey.com, you gain access to such evaluation tools as NHL Goals Above Replacement, Regularized Adjusted Plus Minus, Skater Contract Projections, Visualizations, Charts, and much more. Visit Evolving-Hockey.com slash login today to become a subscriber. So as Josh pointed out, uh, oh, first of all, thanks to our lovely sponsor for that message. As Josh pointed out, we are currently in the midst of the Vancouver situation playing out and nothing is confirmed or final. So maybe we should say that before um, before anything comes out and it ages poorly, I guess. Yeah, even even though we, we spent... 15 minutes talking about I know about this has been the majority of the podcast. <laughs> it's a learning well it's, so it's uh, for everyone it is uh currently Sunday December 5th at 8:16 central or 9:16 east uh, east coast for for those on the east coast. So uh we learned right before we started recording that it was leaked that Boudreaux was hired. 
but then it took like an hour. It seems like now it's been confirmed, but now there's also some reports uh, circulating that 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 actually the the hiring and firing. Uh, situation wasn't actually management's decision and that Benning might be potentially or other members of the organization might be on their way out too. So uh, yeah, if we can't, we, maybe this is a learning experience for us. We haven't had a breaking news situation well, like this. The Canucks talk was not, it no, was about no, 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 how no. they've not been good this year and not what I'm, I'm the making current a, events are. I'm making a joke that we're new to this. And so we, we, we this is a new situation where we've had we're breaking news. We're not new news. to this. This is like episode 13 I'm, or something. I, I know. Well, yeah, but we're still a new, we're still a, a little fledgling podcast <laughs> over here. I would say we're still, you know, we're still getting. We're up waiting for our first um, sponsor. Yeah, but there might we be. Have you know, sponsor, Lou. We have a sponsor. Shout out to any sponsor that's not us. <laughs> Get at us. Yeah. With those. Uh, if things. you are, I will say maybe right now, if you're interested in sponsoring the show, let us know. Uh, DMs work, or uh, you can email support at evolving hockey, evolving hockey.com um, as well. Anyway, uh, this segment. Uh, we're going to do something fun. We, Luke and I have a bit of a reputation. I, I think we built up over the years for having absurd, in some people's eyes, uh, award picks, uh, specifically <laughs> our Selkie, which is the bread and butter of our, yeah, of our hockey our, love. Our brand. All yeah. about the Selkie. I don't think they're ridiculous, but some people have, you know. And um, tomorrow, when this is out, we will uh, probably have a thread with some of our awards picks, but we figured why not... You know, just do them now. Yeah, yeah. For we, the listeners, for the listeners, for our loyal listeners, we of can the make podcast. We can make both. We can make our listeners happy. We can make Sean mad at the same time. <laughs> so I figured, why don't we just do it now? Yeah, just um, the best of both worlds, right there. So I don't know. I I figure also this is a good time for us. I think some people get confused about what we're actually trying to do when we're picking, or at least these are our opinions. Obviously, we're not members of the, uh, um, of the what is it, PWHA. Uh, or professional PHWA, the Professional Hockey Writers Association. We don't vote. We don't have any, uh, you know, actual voting power. So this isn't. It's just our opinion. But uh, I figured because we have been doing this for a couple of years, um, we could also talk a little bit about how Luke and I kind of come to our um, opinions or the fi- kind of where we're at and how that process works. Um, and uh, we've we've been doing it. It's a it's a very very complex. Uh, uh, it's not actually, uh, but Luke, <laughs> you want to maybe just share a little bit about how we kind of come up with these and what we normally do for this? Yeah. So I mean, the way that I norm. So if people have been following us on Twitter, we've probably been doing this for the last since we had a Gar model out, which was a uh, like seventeen, eighteen, twenty seventeen, yeah. not seventeen, eighteen, the year, but in twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, Sean, uh, and uh, we've been doing it, and um, since about then. Um, I think that was kind of one of the drivers of our hockey interest was in skater defense. It's kind of always been um, the one thing that I think we've both been really drawn to, mainly because I think that the offensive evaluations, like a lot of the models we use, they're not too far off from a lot of the generally accepted strong offensive players, I think. It's like a lot easier. The, the model outputs, well, first of all, skater point totals are only offense, so if you're looking at just skater point totals, you have no inclusion of the defensive side of the game. And so that's been a really interesting thing because for us, because you get some players who in their overall ratings in our models come up quite a bit because they add a lot of value on the defensive side of the game. And those players generally tend to be undervalued, which is something that I think we've always been kind of intrigued by why some of like the, just the outputs of our models, um, like the, the, the really good defensive players, shout out to Valeria Nichushkin. Um, but uh, anyway, so the way that we generally we've traditionally done this is um, I, we kind of just look at total gar and total X gar um, for the current season. 
and then I kind of like in season, I, I basically take um, kind of the average of the two. Um, we could do a little bit of I, I have in the in the past kind of fooled around with doing a weighted average, like a 60-40 split of X guard to guard. Cause, and we, we kind of have it mimic our like some of our game projections. Too. Yeah. So, so like when we built our game projection model, our X guard model is a little bit better at predicting game outcomes than our guard model. Um, and so we use our that's why we use our X guard model in our game predictions. Um, but they're both pretty good still. The guard model is just a little bit. It's not quite as good as X X guard. Um, and I, I will say though that's specifically at team level, so it's not um, from a. I, I think that some people can get that confused a little bit when um, if if a metric does well at predicting team outcomes, it doesn't necessarily mean that that metric is good at evaluating players individually. Um, there are some things that that you can. It's, but our XGAR model is good at that. It is. Yes. Well, they're both they're both pretty good. They're both fairly correlated, and so you could yeah. use one or the other. And yeah. The thing- I think that you could do some things there to help one or the other be better. It's mostly just it's a little simpler just to use the one out of the box that is a little bit better. Yeah. But anyway, um, so the the XGAR and GAR are are generally pretty correlated, um, um, and a lot of that has to do with playing time. So. Um, but anyway, so I, I basically just take an average of our GAR and XGAR, um, and I for players that, for instance, right now there are some teams that have played like a lot less games than other teams, so I basically prorate their stats up to where the maximum amount of games played would be. So it's kind of minimal, but it's just to put every team, every player on the same level in the season. At the end of the season, it doesn't matter, but it's and, basically and- just like a, a kind of average of our gar and xgar models and then you just sort by you know it's like what's the <laughs> there's a stats drill tweet looking at the gar sorting by gar leaders and 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 no, picking the heart posting a ram uh posting a uh wrap chart and dropping the mic dropping the mic that's, that's feeds <laughs> <laughs> anyway but but I, I will say also to add is I think one of the interesting things is, um, and shout out to anybody who's read this, but our long three-part goals above replacement write-up that was previously on Hockey Graphs, now it's also on our site as well, just that has a lot of info about it. One of our, um, and I think this is maybe a little bit of our baseball background or influence, is that one of the things that, uh, like, I would say, and I, I maybe I, I'm now a little bit, this is a little bit, uh, maybe, ha- maybe has potentially changed, but one of the things with uh, war in baseball was one of the, um, it, it, kind of the footholds or like one of the foundational aspects of it was that it was a way that you that it, it was could be used to evaluate both end of season awards and like Hall of Fame consideration. And that was over the years one of the big things that baseball war kind of caught on for among a lot of other things was um, evaluating Hall of Fame candidates and also end of year award candidates. That was one of the things that um, I think a lot of people started using it for when it first came out because it was a um, era adjusted and all this stuff that some of the stuff we don't have. But in our original Right up, which I think did we do that in 2018, Luke, or was it 2019? Um, yeah, I want to say tw- summer of 2018. I, I believe I, it took a, about three months to write the whole thing, and we did that at the end of 2018, but it didn't go up until very early 2019. But the last we had a kind of a series of bullet points that went through um, kind of our uh, philosophies and some of our goals with our original model, and the last one we said. Um, was and I, this is what I wrote. I said, and finally, while while a bit petty, we'd like this model to align with and better track the skaters and goalies that should win the end of year awards. Ultimately, war should be a data based analysis of a total uh, player's total contribution. It only makes sense that the Hart Trophy, for instance, should be based on a model that evaluates the complete performance of a player in a given season. So <clears throat> that was kind of one of our goals, and it actually does, at least in our opinion, a very good job of that. So um, yeah, it's it's something that we really 
enjoy doing, but also uh, we've gotten into trouble. People, people get <laughs> mad at us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we won't talk about yeah. the dry sidle yeah. because but, that's a perfect lead-in because here, we'll just start right away. So like I said, the um, if we just kind of write through, this is through Sunday, December, no, 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 through Saturday, December 4th because the games haven't finished here tonight, so things could change slightly. This is just kind of a tracking. Um, but right now, our top five heart candidates. Okay, so we're going, let's just be going, clear up front. These, I wanted to make this very clear. These aren't our opinions. They're based on our metrics and models on our site. So our opinions, I guess you could say they are opinions, but like a lot of people think that's we've just like watched players and that's who we think should win. Or we like look at our models and then yeah. say, oh, that doesn't really look right, so I'm not going to yeah. put that player. No, this is literally just our out- outputs of our models for this season, Yeah, and we're looking cold, hard numbers here. Yeah. This is there's, not... There's no subjectivity here. Yeah. Th- but yeah. we're going to start with heart. So, Luke... Yes. Top five. Let's see the what heart, we got. Um, we kind of, uh, in the past, we've tried to do this in kind of tiers because, like, players aren't really separated by a lot right now. But I think that the clear front runner from our model is Leon Dreisaitl. So, round of applause. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to us, because we got it right now. No. Um, but, like, Leon Dreisaitl um, is, is kind of the... the um, not clear front runner, but like definitely the front runner, and then probably in the next tier would be Kel McCarr and Connor McDavid, um, and then the next two, um, yeah, kind of we probably next tier would probably be about three players, starting with Austin Matthews, Troy Terry, and Aaron Ekblad. So those would be our kind of top heart uh, candidates right now. I see Sean made a funny face. Sean when doesn't I said agree. Aaron Ekblad, but. Uh, I, don't I think know. he probably thinks Matthews should be higher, right? Yeah, probably. Um, Hart, uh, I think it's Troy Terry's. No, um, no, I think <laughs> I think it sounds about about right. But I've also been in the models. Aaron Eckblad, I just it just kind of caught me off guard. Does he have like a shooting year? Um, I was gonna kind of look at that. Um, I think that. Not, not really. I mean, he's kind of. Um, I, I would have to go look deeper into our. Uh, because some of just... it hasn't quite stabilized yet. Here, you know? stall, Sean. Let me go look. Well, it's it's the other thing too is I think this is a good. Um, <laughs> I I think this is maybe where it's kind we... of a shooting thing. I'm gonna interrupt you here. Yeah, it's go kind for of a it. Shooting no, that's thing because like I'm looking here on the Xgar, which um, with the submodels with the submodels, which select. brings you back to the average, and it's like he's at eight point eight and four point eight of that's from shooting. Yeah. You know, so it's like it it feels like it hasn't quite stabilized yet a bit. Yeah, well, and defenseman is always it's kind of a weird um it's weird. Well, let, let's just see. So, I mean, that would be the same thing from from Macar, right? Cuz he Macar mm-hmm. has 10 Even goals worse from Macar. Yeah. Worse. Yeah. He's got 10 <laughs> well, goals better, but <laughs> in 18 games, which is pretty nuts for a defenseman, and Ekblad has 8 goals in 24 games. Um and but I mean at the same time Ekblad he's getting four about four goals above average from his from his Fenwick rates, um, so which would be his, his like kind of shooting rate yeah the shooting rates so like the shooting component from there so yeah while it is probably f- like goals his individual goals scored I mean it's kind of a unique question because for end of season awards do you want to include players who are kind of I don't know, getting lucky. Like that that's kind of 
like I guess a question is like should you be adjusting well though that player a lot of their value is coming from goal scoring so that they don't deserve the heart because they scored a lot of goals as a defenseman that's kind of the uh, uh, kind of fundamental question is like are you going to discount a player's value added because like from goal scoring individual goal scoring um it's kind of kind of an interesting thing I think there's one of the things actually that kind of uh in baseball the um baseball prospectus models um a lot of them are called deserved runs added so like DRA and I actually think that's a really good I really that's a very good descriptor for (laughs) kind of a model that's trying to look at what type of value did the player deserve you know like what what did they contribute that they deserve to contribute um versus like looking at like I think our kind of like our GAR model would be more of a um well, no, I'm not going to say not a deserved, but it's more of like a what happened kind of thing, I think. That was kind of our intention with it was because like the offensive components are based on on-ice goal scoring. So it's on-ice goals for and expected goals, uh, not on-ice, but it's goals for while they were on the ice adjusted for their teammates and various other factors, and then expected goals against for defense, um, and again, adjusted for teammates and various other factors. So it, it's kind of an interesting thing because if you're looking at awards picks, it's 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 more of a how do you value it is it is it they didn't like a lot of that was not a sustainable way to add value so we should discount that or do you just want to go by like what happened and that i i kind of it's it's kind of an interesting i'm not really sure sean if yeah. you have a feeling i mean that's that. my, that's a, a fair point i think at the end of the at the end of the year you take what was given over the season it doesn't matter what you might think is sustainable or not yeah. but just like this early on it just seems like yeah. there's some at the top that are a little bit you – know, well, like Leon's one of the most skilled players in the league, and his shooting percentage itself is quite sustainable. But it's like that's where, what, like 90% of his value comes from, right? Like, again, looking at the submodels, yeah. he's at 9.9 expected goals above average and 0.3 in terms of rates – Point four in terms of quality, point four in terms of penalties, and eight point eight in terms of shooting. Yeah. Whereas you look at a Matthews, who's a nine point three expected goals above average. Uh, he's been quite snake snake bitten this year, right? He's four point eight all rates, one point one quality, three point two shooting, zero point one penalties. You know, so if you're looking at what might occur for the rest of the season, yeah, I would assume. Austin's starting to heat up himself. Yeah. Well, and the other that, thing about Drysidle yeah. is that he's shooting like he's like at twenty six seven point six percent shooting right now, which is like, I mean, <laughs> that's, his shooting percentage think, is definitely not sustainable, but it's going to be quite insanely high at the end of the year. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, he's I, he's been a, around twenty percent shooter for the last three seasons. So yeah. is it's this not all, like all situations? You're all situations yeah. shooting mm-hmm. percentage. Yeah. So I mean. While it is, but like I mean, we can take a look at Ekblad's shooting percentage too. I, I was going to just say, I think one of the reasons, just to answer your point, Sean, about kind of this, I, and I, I think that we just generally try to keep the same approach. Like 
every time we do this, mostly just to avoid any really, I think. And I, I don't know. I, I feel like we don't do a good job of on this on Twitter, but it's just trying to remain objective, even from just kind of any kind of bias or subjectivity we might be able to add in. So we do the exact same process whenever we look at awards. Um, that's just kind of how we do it. So I think uh, one of the things is I think regardless is like if they were getting lucky or if their things weren't sustainable, I think those things did happen. And that player did add the value that I think theoretically from the, the, the foundations of how war is meant to um, how it's set up, the, the theories behind it, it's meant to evaluate how much did a player help their team win or add, add wins from their own value. So that's kind of just our general approach. Um, but I also think that there's some room uh, to essentially say like what you're doing, Sean, is like, well, I think, you know, there are some players who are doing really, really well and they just haven't gotten – you know goals yet yeah or or um, like kind of saying we're only 25 games into the season so well, like yeah that's we it. don't know if Ekblad's gonna stay up here but yeah. I will say that he he shot 10 point he, he shot 10.9 percent last year and he's shooting 10.1 percent this year Ekblad. well it wasn't last year like a wicked short season for him because he got hurt yeah he, he played 35 games but um before that I mean he's he's been in the seven to eight I mean I don't um, think there's been a uh there's been one defenseman before that's that's had double digit shooting percentage in multiple seasons or back to back seasons. Back to back seasons I might be talking about. Yeah. And that was like Kevin Klein of the New York Rangers. And like Why 13, do you know 14, that? 14, Why <laughs> I'm just a genius. I could be wrong on that one. <laughs> I definitely he, tweeted it out before. So Ekblad's shooting percentage though is seven point basically seven point one percent. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's above his career average for shooting. But like again, I mean, if it drops a little bit, I don't expect it. I mean, he's a he's a good shooter. I mean, if we look at uh, let's let let's take a look over the last three seasons. Um, well, we'll go four. Why not? Went defenseman. Take a little look. See here. You should have told us to stall, Luke, while you're doing your, the research. Who's <laughs> added the most goals from shooting as defenseman over the last? Is it Nurse? It's probably Nurse. No, it's not. Here's... Since eighteen nineteen. Okay. So the since 2018 2019 <laughs> summed for defensemen the top value from all shooting so even strength and power play shooting components of the XR model number 1 is Kale McCarr number 2 Jared Spurgeon number 3 John Carlson 4 Zach Wierenski, 5 Aaron Ekblad and then Dougie Hamilton and Shea Weber and then Vince Dunn actually so i mean i i just think Ekblad is he's kind of among those elite defensemen in terms of their shot um, I think maybe that's not a – I don't know if that's something that is generally considered – he's considered to be one of the best shooters in the league as a defenseman, like defenseman with the, their shot, but that's what the data kind of is telling me. You know, right up there at the top with Jared Spurgeon, which yeah. we all – you know, everybody always, knows. Always a good thing. Always a good thing to be near Jared Spurgeon in the, <laughs> yeah. in the ratings. But um, anyway, so, yeah, that's kind of the heart talk, I think, that obviously – All that, all that really matters Dry is that – McDavid yeah. and Matthews and Troy Terry probably not – um, and then, but I mean, it, it does get into an interesting conversation about, you know, are defensemen ever going to win the heart? You know, I, 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 it's just kind of funny. I think the awards in general have been set up in a way where they're kind of asymmetrical, which is <laughs> like, I think there should be best forward, best defenseman, best goalie overall, best defensive forward, best defensive, best defen- defenseman. yeah, best defensive forward, best defensive defenseman. And then you can do the lady Bing. And I don't know if they want to add a face-off winner, then yeah, sure. Sean but, has a question. What's up, Sean? I have like a comment. I'm just noticing it right now. Yeah, what about Miami is ranked like 31st in XCAR? 
You know, we always knew. Yeah. We were always. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's something to keep a watch on. He did not start the season well. So something no. to keep a, keep a watch yeah. on. I think I need to like almost interrupt you guys and say we need to go to the next award at this point. <laughs> yes. Now that... we're going on about the models themselves. Okay. So, like, yeah, let's hear. Well, we'll go. So okay, we'll so, go to so Norris. To, to, well, okay. to, let's, let's say that again. So we have just for the haters out there, yeah. we have Dry Sidle number one currently. And then. The second tier, Makar and, and McDavid. McDavid. Third tier, Matthews, Terry, and Ekblad. Ekblad. Now there's, yeah, so that's that's our heart. Um, Norris I think, is, I mean, yeah. obviously going to be, let's see, we'll do tiers again. So it's basically uh, Makar in his own tier. And then we have um, basically Ekblad, Aaron Ekblad, Adam Fox, and Eric Carlson. Resurgence of Eric Carlson this mm-hmm. year. It's kind of a big story, It honestly. is, in the second tier, and then... Uh yeah, well actually just add in there's probably just the top five. So it's basically McCarr and then Ekblad and then Adam Fox, Eric Carlson, and Oliver Shillington, right? Yeah. That's okay. So yeah, and that's another story is Shillington kind of on Calgary this year, which is an interesting because a lot of his value is coming from his defensive game. Um the defensive side of things, which is kind of just pretty interesting, I think, for um you know, I don't know, is he the next Jonas Brodeen? I don't know. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think McCarr is no surprise there. Um, you know, Fox and Ekblad, again, I'm not surprised by. But then definitely Carlson and Shillington kind of def- at the top there was is kind of a surprise, I'd say. Well, and why don't I, just really quick, I just had this idea. I should have had this up earlier. But we had, from September, we did a little thread of our predictions for our award. So why don't I compare those as well just to see where we're at. So the heart actually is not that different our, our number one <laughs> I, is mcdavid these are our top five mcdavid matthews dry settle mark stone and Braden point so those were our five we have three of them and we stone have, and point have had some injuries yeah well stone has stone specifically is clearly not really in the conversation yeah. and then in the norris uh we our projections were uh mccarr number one um and then mcavoy hamilton uh taves and chikrin um, so I think there's a couple, there's some interesting differences there. And we have McAvoy <laughs> right now. He's at, close. I think. Yeah. He's like nine or 10 and same thing with Hamilton. Yeah. Hamilton and, and McAvoy are basically in the around 10 placement, 10th best so far in defenseman. But yeah, I think McCarr is kind of clear. But Chikorin has had a, Oh yeah. I don't, we've talked about that, but I, he yeah. has had a rough start to the season considering how good, but again, I think in the past, like a lot of his value is from shooting, and you know with defensemen, yeah, Sean, there you go, vindicate, <laughs> vindication. Um, but uh, well, and one of the things I think is that it's in a season you can add a lot of value as a defenseman. Um, obviously, if you're shooting above expectations, like that's really valuable for your team because you're just going to help your team. And relative to an average yeah. defenseman, but it's a lot more unstable year over year, especially under for defensemen because just the way that defensemen work in a system. But um, yeah, so I don't think that that's too. Or Norris, I'm trying to think about what the actual kind of conventional thoughts on the front runners. I mean, uh, Rangers fans will be happy we have Fox in our top three right now. Yeah. Because um, they've been mad at us for the last two years because we haven't. He's, he's literally. <laughs> Just the last year. He's literally. It's the joke. What is the uh, Nathan? Uh, who's the comedian? Like, oh, I'm, you know, the Adam Fox has been just out of frame. That's the, the, the yeah, joke. Yeah, he's just out of frame. Yeah. But. Um, so yeah, that's Norris, and then let's. Why don't I guess we have to move along here because we're we are getting a little behind. I, we can wait, talk wait, about this stuff all the time. So where's Sandine here? Because I, I would put Sandine in the top five. We Ooh. have Sandine. 
he's just out of frame. No, um, <laughs> we have him about 18, 19, tied with Shabbat and Ryan Lindgren. That seems quite low. I mean, I, I don't think know. he's a I don't player that legitimately rules. got kind of kind of unlucky. But if you look at some of the submodels here, I think he looks much better when yeah. you take the shooting luck out of it. He's also but. played like I don't know, two hundred minutes less than Ekblad. Right. So like yeah. two hundred fifty minutes less what? than Ekblad. And, and I actually think that's so a, that's an important thing we didn't really cover either. Is that um, War and both Xwar and War Xgar and Gar are specifically. Uh, they're like raw stats. So they include playing time. So they're the actual models that we build are rate models, but they're expanded out for based on time and eyes. So that's I, I think something that maybe we could do a better job about. But it's with Gar with all of these models is that the amount of time you're able to play as a player actually is very valuable in the league. And if you don't get injured, there are players who are really really good who just don't play as much time as other players, and they're not able to because they just miss time. They're not or, able to be as va- as they don't offer as much value for their team because they're not playing as much as other players. Or it might be like deployment. So Sandin has yeah. played twenty five games. Which yeah, is, that's true. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. played one more game than Ekblad, but he has basically 250 minutes less than Ekblad. So, like, if you're looking at a rate version of that, where it would just be Gar per 60, they'd probably be very close. Um, so it's kind of that's another thing we've just generally defaulted to doing raw totals, but which is kind of how the awards are given out in general. Because in the past, I think people just kind of looked at total points. You know that would be the heart winner. Well, they be, still do that. They too. still do that. But like that—that's kind of so. That's kind of how we do it for our awards picks. Um, but yeah. So anyway, let's move on to the Selkie because the best award. The best award. That's so we can stop here after this one. We're yeah, here. there's so, none. This is the end. Yeah, the okay. end of no. <laughs> Actually, what should we do, Vesna? Because what's our time? What's our yeah, time at? Not. Just go. Just go. Just go. <laughs> Sean needs to leave. He's he's got. Uh, well, no, go. we need to finish a podcast here. Yeah. How, what, how far into this are we? We need to keep going. <laughs> We're like almost an hour. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Where did the goalies go? Do Selkie. Vesna. Oh, Vesna. Vesna is easy, for... I think. Yeah. Right now. It's, um, it's just Durkin. That's it. That's it. That's the, yeah. <laughs> there. That's fine. the story. Although yeah. he he got hurt, hopefully I know. it'll just be like a week, I think, is the update. Yeah, so. yeah it's just Durkin, And then uh, Tristan Yari. Right, it's Yari, right? I think, I think so. so. Yeah, yeah, is number two, Wait. and then uh, yeah. Jack Campbell and Jacob Markstrom would be, and Vasilevsky would be kind of tied for the next tier. Yeah, and I think that Anderson was also kind of yeah, close as well. Yeah, Freddie Anderson and Hellebuck actually. Hellebuck making a resurgence here. He started off pretty slow, but he's kind of he's yeah. climbed up in our rankings. And this is based on our goalie gar. Um, yeah, there aren't two models. For there's goalies, not two models for that. It actually. <laughs> This is kind of an oversight on our our part, but it actually is a component of the XGAR model. So it probably should be called Goalie XGAR, but it's just that's we need to write up that. Yeah. All right. Vesna, okay, anyway, there, that's not Vesna, controversial. Not controversial. Shesterkin, he's been doing great. Yeah. Uh, I think some people would be. We we did talk about this. Luke and I were talking about this about how we had we had several people after our fantasy projections came out um, questioning our are like Tristan Yari projections. We're like, what are you talking about? And I actually wasn't really sure because a lot of people were convinced he was not. I think he had a pretty bad stretch for like a month with Pittsburgh last year. Um, and Did a lot you of see people... the playoffs? Well, yeah, and then that What, what about the <laughs> Well, yeah, no, he had – I don't remember exactly what – as a rule, I don't watch the Penguins. He had, really, he had a pretty rough <laughs> season last year. What? 
He had a pretty rough, some rough yeah, stretches. Yeah, but our projections really liked him actually for uh, for several things, and he's done You're well right. this year. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Anyway, okay, Selkie, anyway. the number one most important. Well, we award. could do Calder. Oh, just okay. quick. I, mean, I keep wanting to get to Selkie. So in. okay, I think <laughs> this is not including goalies. I don't know. Are there any rookie goalies in the conversation? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. there's a couple. Yeah, there's <sighs> Spencer Knight. Um, well, he's not probably in the conversation, is he? Maybe he is. There's Vermelka, the Arizona guy. But I don't know if he's really doing well. Uh, there's one other one, I think. Sway, there's Swayman, but he's had kind of a rough start. Yeah. Anyway, Calder, what do you got, Luke? What do we got for Calder? Okay, we're going to go. Is it Mercer? No, it's Lucas Raymond. Okay. And then probably the next three would be Seth Jarvis, Michael Bunting, Moritz Sider, uh, and then Bo Byram. Okay. Byram's uh, still taking a Bunting out of here. And then, <laughs> <laughs> like, like the, again, that's my thing with like the whole the age thing, and then like the fact he's played like multiple seasons. Like, I think if you played more than two seasons, even if it's like a super limited number of games, you're no longer a rookie in my mind. How old is Bunting? He's like twenty. So, were you anti Kaprizov Calder last year? Are you one of those people? So, I one, I don't think he earned it. Two, yes. oh, <laughs> Jason Robertson. I think he's yeah. I think he's better. Yeah, but. there were a lot of people who I actually, I I mean I think that if you're playing for the first time or like it doesn't, I don't particularly think if you played in the in another league and if <laughs> Michael Bunting first, is 26 years old. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say so, I, I thought he was 25, so 26 even worse. He he's 25 in two months, 26 in two months. Well, it doesn't matter. Um, we don't have him leading. Lucas Raymond, I think, yeah. has been the. Clear. If he's older than Sean, he can't be a rookie. Right? <laughs> <laughs> But uh, uh, no, not funny. Was that not? A, I thought that Sean was didn't hear what Sean, you said. I said if he's older than Sean, he can't be a rookie. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's good. I turn twenty four um, next month. That's actually a really good cutoff. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, Lucas Raymond, um, and then yeah, Zegras is really close too. So that's probably your Calder race, in our opinion, would be Raymond, Seth Jarvis. Don't know who that is. <laughs> Are you I'm kidding? Not, I'm not gonna lie. I don't know who that person is. I I I, I feel like I should given your reaction, but this I, is you how know. it is every time. I just think I I think it was like a big analytics pick, which I don't. Again, with drafting, it's kind of a little weird, but uh, no, he was like really good with the Winter Hawks, or it's my memory oh, like okay. really bad. He's well, at the WHL. Only, he's played a lot less time than the other players too, so he's kind of. I don't know if maybe that's a uh, kind of shooting thing again. But I don't know. Anyway, yeah. So and Lucas then, Raymond. I mean, I think that's not controversial. I think that's kind of the clear front runner from what I've seen. Well, it's from funny. I saw discourse. also like the Red Wings. Like their top leaders and everything are their two rookies. I yeah. mean, that's like the you know the whole team right now is just yeah. is just Raymond and and uh, and and Insider. Cider. Um, and but I anyway, think one other player too, maybe. So now let's get to the most important award. Yeah, last and most important. last and most important. Um, so the Selkie. would be the Selkie here and really quick. Let me just, uh, let me just read what the definition is of the Selkie <laughs> so that we can all be clear on exactly what we're trying to evaluate here. And this is the NHL's definition. Um, it's awarded the Selkie, uh, the Frank J self Selkie trophy, or simply the Selkie trophy is awarded annually to the NA, uh, national hockey league forward who demonstrates the most skill in the defensive component of the game. So, Right off the bat, Luke and I don't look at offense at all. No. Out of the nature of, by definition, of what the award is. So there's no offense in any of this. And additionally, we do not look at playing time. We don't look at what line they play on. We don't look at who they're, uh, I don't know, any other thing. It's just based <laughs> on our even, our, okay. Now we'll get into this again because we were talking about this with Sean. 
because he just madly wants Matthews to win the Selkie. <laughs> but <laughs> we, so to be clear, this is, I think people have, people add in throughout historically for the Selkie, people have added a lot of these, you know, requirements onto this award when it never, that's, I don't understand why. But that's just the way it's been done. So oftentimes, they, it's oftentimes it's considered or the best. You know. Yeah, two way forward. So that means they need to have like yeah sixty points in order to be considered, or they need to play a certain amount of time on ice per game in order to for them to be considered, or they need to play against some level of competition on the first line. Blah blah blah. I don't. We don't do. That's not in the way we view the Selkie. I don't know why that is. It's just. I think it's nonsensical because that's just historically. Maybe that's the way that people yeah. have voted on it. But so that, based on the definition, we look at strictly the defensive value that players have added. That's it. Yes, and that and, would be the defensive components of our GAR and XGAR models. That's how we look at it. And shorthanded too, or do we not? Some, well, so then that's the other thing is. I'm not sure. We. I, I've done it both ways. We've done it both ways in the past. We've only looked at even strength defensive value added and then we've also just added even strength and shorthanded value added um it the shorthanded value is like it's pretty minimal a lot of the time um there are some players i think Giroux has been historically and and, and marshan has have been very good penalty killers in the past um so and i think carl Hagelin too was another player who got some boosts from playing but shorthanded but really it's 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 kind of marginal so I the selkie just starting off with total even strength and shorthanded defense are our top Selkie picks right now. They're all kind of in the same tier, although the top um, would be number one, Matthew Kachuk, two, Evan Rodriguez, uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, Ryan O'Reilly, and then Austin Matthews. So that would be kind of our – and, and mind you, they're all only separated by less than one goal, one yeah. EVD Gar, so, and I would so say in they're this very case, close. Yeah, they're all kind of. I would. I mean, maybe Kachuk gets our pick number one, but I think they're all really, really close. Yes, and um, and so I think like you know Ryan O'Reilly, Matthews Kachuk. Um, I think the only kind of ones that might people throw people off would be Evan Rodriguez. Wait, did you say Matthews Kachuk? Like the two players? Oh no, Matthews, <laughs> Matthews, Austin Matthews Kachuk. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, but no. So that would kind of be. And then if we look at only. Even strength value. Um, I'm pretty sure I did this. Yeah, I added this here. Um, uh, again, it would be uh, Kachuk, uh, Anthony Sorelli, uh, Jean Gabriel Pajot, Ryan O'Reilly, Evan Rodriguez, and then Austin Matthews. So Matthews actually falls a little bit if we, or somebody jumps, because maybe has Sorelli been bad shorthanded? I don't know. I need to go look. But yes, he, yeah. him, yeah, him and Lekkonen. Yeah. Again, why I don't like using shorthanded. Because yeah. one, it's context-driven. Two, it's yeah. obscenely difficult to evaluate. I think it's the biggest piece of the model that you'd have the most uncertainty with. Oh, absolutely. Well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, but also a lot of the time, the actual value that players add, like it, it's unless you have a certain one, or, there's always like three players a year that actually do add quite a bit of value, but usually that's not repeatable. So it's kind of like a little fluky, um, and it's a little bit like, but most of the time, a lot of the top defensive players, like we kind of talked about this on an episode one or two times ago about how there's not the correlation there isn't maybe as strong as you would think between even strength. No, and there's defensive. like no correlation. Yeah. So it. it's kind of a weird thing where like actually some of the best EV defensive players don't add too much value. So the players who do add value shorthanded aren't necessarily adding that similar value at even strength. So you don't it's kind of a weird thing where 
I don't know. Sorry, go go ahead, Sean. Well, I was going to say, here's the thing, too, is I think probably the biggest component of being good on the penalty kill that you might be able to control as a player, quote-unquote, is actually the offensive side of it. So yeah. when you physically take when you physically take the puck out of your own zone and go into the offensive zone, right, and either score goals like Marshawn has done or um, just eat up the clock, and then they can't get into their normal breakout system. So you waste more seconds, and then yep. you don't let them stay in their system. I think that's, like, the biggest area that uh, players can actually contribute to, which is also – kind of unsustainable in a sense on a player level because you're kind of you're revolving you really you kind of rely on like puck recoveries and being able to be opportunistic and those could you can go through droughts with that or other players it's just i feel like the areas where you can make the biggest impact are just kind of like unstable yeah yeah no yeah yeah totally and just just to kind of round out the list some other other uh players to kind of watch in the in the selkie race from our opinion uh yeah like you said arturi lacking in uh tim stutzla uh would be the uh another Ooh. which is very interesting considering uh his performance last year which was just yeah. a bleeding red wrap yep. chart uh <laughs> so that's a, a a rather interesting one to see and then um uh dadanov uh so evgeny i'm saying that right i used to say dadanov and i i just dadanov right yeah and I will say I didn't I didn't go back through our predictions, but um, for Selkie, none of the five players. We, yeah, it's a tough one. It's tough. It's That's tough one I to think predict. What's so interesting about skater defense specific, or forward defense specifically is that it's just very, um, it's kind of a moving target a lot of the time, and it's always fun to try and try and watch it and figure it out and model it. I think it's always been yeah, you know. And and again, I just want to say a lot of these players are very close together. Yeah. So this is there's not nearly as much separation from the like Hart or Norris. It's it's um. But even a lot still, of these, yes. a lot of the award. I think that's a good caveat for all these awards is that players are all very close still. Like yes. I mean, there's a few. I think Hart, um, like I think Drysaddle and and the the top, I think the top like three to five players in Hart are like clear. You know, can be kind of considered more of like yeah. standouts. But when you get down to evaluating defense like this, I think there there's a lot of um. Uh, there's a lot of there, things are a lot closer here. But. Yes, and the margin of error on these models would be they would all be within the margin of error. So again, yeah, like if we could produce confidence intervals or standard deviations for these in-season player estimates, these all these players would almost certainly they would all fall within those error bounds. Yeah, um, which is something we've <laughs> some models do that. It's a very difficult process, and we won't get into it. We now. won't get into it's that. It's a whole right. thing. Maybe but a anyway, whole episode we'll talk. That's about it. you know everybody wanted to hear our selkie ratings. No one did. No <laughs> one did. But we, we those are that's where we're at. So yeah, Matthew Kachuk. Let's see. Let's see if he can uh, he can keep it up. A lot of the time these these things change pretty quickly. Did you do Lady Bing or no? We don't have time for Lady Bing. I, we don't have time for Lady Bing. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's probably Austin Matthews. <laughs> yes. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. know. It's there's Slavin. Do I have? Oh, I do. Let's see. Take. This is just based on take take penalties, the least amount of penalties taken relative to their playing time, which is the taken model from our uh, Spit guard. it out, Luke. We don't have a lot of time. Okay, Ryan McDonough, Elias Lindholm, Nate Schmidt, Mackenzie Wieger, Patrick Kane, Issa uh, Lindell? Issa Lindell? Essa, I think. Essa, Ryan O'Reilly, Evan Rodriguez, Ante Kopitar. Okay, all right, cool. Up. Billion. Yeah, yeah, Spam. bunch of players. They're all tied. They're all tied. <laughs> They're all good. Basically, all it's right. even you know. But anyway, 
So that's been our awards thread. Yes. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed We're it. Actually, if you're listening to this before it gets to, <laughs> we tweet it tomorrow, you, this is a little bit of a uh, uh, you're getting like a this special preview before it goes yeah. on Twitter. Um, Sean is getting this now. He yeah. should consider himself lucky to I hear know. the Evolving Wild Selkie picks uh, ahead of the the tweets on Twitter. But um, yeah, we will probably we tend to tend to look at this like I don't know, like at the quarter marks. So maybe halfway through the season we'll do it again and then. Yeah, you know, but I just like we really enjoy this stuff, and I think that uh, the award I, <laughs> I would like the awards picks to be not based on only point totals. Yes, uh, that's like my one dream in life is that awards are not based on point totals. And and I think the the a or sub, like a sub just dream. an arbitrary amount yeah. of they played a bunch of really good players, so they're a selkie candidate. Yeah, and another not a, a sub sub dream is for is the selkie award. Should don't consider offense. Please stop considering yeah. offense. And please stop considering line position. Yeah, it doesn't. That's who's not to what the say award. that a fourth liner can't win the selkie? I know it's huh? absurd. I don't. I don't believe it. I guess the that's the NHL is to say. Yeah, that, I guess that's who. Anyway, we're that's it. Our we're that, rambling. We're Sean we're, is falling asleep yeah. as we speak, so <laughs> we should probably get going. Well, yeah, we should. It's been fun. Sean, glad. Thank you for listening to Luke and I ramble about awards for yeah. the last forty minutes or however long we've been talking now. It was a it was a pleasure of mine to not have to just consume it on, on Twitter and see, <laughs> and and just scroll around and just see people getting mad at you. So I got it in a very neutral environment, and then people will get mad at you tomorrow. And yeah, be good. yeah. Although yeah. I don't think with some of these that we're gonna get as much hate because we. Have I think your heart your heart's very uncontroversial. Yeah, I think. Um, I don't know. Maybe a Norris's. I don't know. Yeah, uh, Shillington well, might might. Cost I don't him. know though. I mean, we have McCarr and Fox in the top five, and, and Ekblad, and Ekblad, and also like the only one would be I think. Yeah, but maybe you're some, the best defenseman in the league. Yeah, McAvoy isn't in in there. He's close, and I think some Jersey fans might be a little like think it's weird. Hamilton isn't maybe in the top. Uh, He's close five. though. He's close too. So anyway, we need to stop. We've been going on way too long here. Um, it's gonna be a long episode. It is gonna be a long episode. Thank you everyone for sticking around. If you got this far, uh, we very much appreciate uh, you listening. Um, we also should we announce? Uh, should we should we do a little hint for what our next week episode will be, or should we keep that? Uh, should we do that later? No, this we'll week? just go. We'll okay. just go. All right, we'll leave. <laughs> All right, <laughs> we'll try and All get right. to our, another part of our glossary series at some point too. Let us know what you think of that, or um, if you have any uh, comments about the show or anything else. And you'd remember like to, to, to smash the like and yeah. subscribe and, and download five star. the download button. Leave too, a right? review. I guess leave, a, leave review. a review. We'd love to hear a review. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Well, and uh, yeah, good to. Good to see you, Sean. Thanks for listening to us, yeah. and it's uh, <laughs> been, been fun chatting. Yeah. All right. We'll see you next week.